one night we went out to, to dinner at this restaurant called Pacific's Edge. And uh, I won't tell you how much the bill was because it probably cost some of you to stumble. But um, it was 10 years, you know, the big anniversary. So we splurged a little bit. And it was one of these restaurants where uh, they come and they lay the napkin on your lap. And if you go to the restroom and you come back, that old napkin's gone and they have a new one waiting for you. And uh, multi-course meal. And uh, with every course that is brought out, the waiter comes with the towel over his arm and he puts the plate in front of you and he describes for you each ingredient on the plate and how it complements the other ingredients and which of your palates it's going to tickle and uh, the reason that this is placed with this. And then they'll bring something in between and say, this is compliments of the chef. And uh, just to really treat in the pride and the joy that that waiter experiences as he places this before these customers, knowing the delight that they're going to have as they feast and, uh, and as I think about that experience I had, I'm reminded, and if none of you have uh, ever experienced what your pastors experience, the joy uh, that we receive from being able to sit around this table with you with the feast of God's Word and to come to you and, and, and to lay before you with excitement and joy the things that God has prepared for us and His Word and how exciting it is to know what you're going to be able to feast on and to be able to lay out for you how this complements with this and what this was designed to do for you. And uh, that brings unspeakable joy. And uh, I wanted to share that with you, that you might just have a glimpse of the pleasure and the joy that is mine to be able to be here with you this morning. Uh, First of all, because I love you people so dearly and because of the place you have in my heart, And because of the love I have for you, it brings and makes my joy that much greater than that poor waiter's who is serving people he doesn't know. But the joy I have to be able to bring to this table uh, this feast for people whom I love so dearly and I know love this word as much as I do. And uh, so it's it's with that joy and excitement that I'm able to come to you this morning uh, to God's word. And as we do, we will go to uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to read for us verses 10 through 13 of Philippians uh, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and I'll read, start reading with verse 10. Uh, Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Father, thank You for Your Word that it contains everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray now that You would unsheath Your sword. Have Your way in our hearts, conforming us into the image of Your Son. May Your Word sink into the deepest recesses of our hearts, uh, causing a change. And as our brother prayed earlier, uh, in, in taking us from one degree of holiness and faith to another. 
use that. Uh, we look for your promise this morning as you have said, as your word goes out, it never returns to you void. Have your way with us, uh, your children, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's Christmas morning. And you can't wait for your children to open the gifts uh, that you have purchased for them. And these gifts that you have purchased for them have made it under the tree through no small endeavor on your part. After hours of considering the things they enjoy and want, uh, debating the perfect gift, you realize finally that you have chosen to get them the gift that is next to impossible to find. But you accomplish your goal. You found it at just the right store, at just the right time, and now it's here, neatly wrapped and ready to be opened by your darling child. You're almost more excited than your child is as you have gone to great lengths to secure this gift. Well, the moment has arrived and you place this gift before your child, and they excitedly tear into the gift. And the moment they see it, their eyes light up and their joy is evident. And with this sight, your joy is made complete. Well, almost complete. You take the gift from your child so you can open it and they begin playing with it. After 10 minutes of cutting tape and untwisting 20 annoying plastic ties that are used for seemingly nothing more than to frustrate parents, you free the toy and you present it to your child. However, the child now appears disinterested in the toy, but is curiously drawn to the package you removed it from. The package seems to be what the child was most excited for. The child is clueless that the real value is in the contents of the package. And while the package was attractive for the child, it too loses appeal after a while and is moved to the pile in the garage where it will remain until Daddy does something with it. And the toy? Well, the toy sits on a shelf, abandoned and lonely, its true value never recognized or appreciated. And the parents, disheartened as this toy that they sought to purchase and place into their child's hand is now being wasted. This is all a funny or perhaps not so funny uh, reality all parents have or will experience at some point in their parenting. Uh, But friends, it is also a reality that is experienced as folks approach God's Word. Uh, Particular verses or passages in Scripture have great appeal for people in various situations. And so they take it and they cling to it and they proclaim it as their own. Uh, But like the gift, the real treasure is found in the context or in the content of the package. The package, of course, is the words of the passage apart from the context. The treasure is in the context, and when properly understood and applied, it is far more desirable than the package alone. But when the verse or passage is taken out of context and misapplied, the user 
finds that the pleasure and comfort is short-lived and often irrelevant. The problem, of course, is not that the gift is irrelevant or unable to deliver, but that the user has failed to understand where the real value is. Our passage this morning happens to be one of those passages that seems to be appreciated more often for its package, while its users are quickly left discouraged and disappointed. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Applied to a ball game is cute and inspiring until you lose. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Applied to a job opportunity. It's very hopeful until you don't get it. When applied to a relationship issue, it's positive thinking until it fails. Applied to all things is most encouraging until it is revealed that those things we hoped for were not God's will. Then what? Then what do we do? Is is God's Word not relevant? Is this an empty promise? Is there really no strength in Christ for the Christian to experience success and victory? Of course, the answer is that God's Word is completely relevant. And when unpacked, one will find that the gift in this package to be of superior value. Well, the package advertises that the user can do all things. It's what we see on this package when we open it. The question then that comes to mind is, what then is all things? As we look to our text uh, this morning, we will consider the promise that's contained in this package under two main thoughts. Uh, First, we're going to consider the substance, that is, what are the things that the Christian is able to accomplish through Christ who strengthens him? And the second thing will be the source, that is, how does the Christian use this gift? So we'll consider the substance and the source. Now, this passage is best understood when uh, one understands the context in which it was written. Uh, This uh, letter to the Philippians was written by Paul uh, while he was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. That means, friends, that he was not writing this letter uh, from the comfort of his own home, uh, nor in the midst of enjoying any creature comforts whatsoever. He was sitting in a jail cell, uncomfortably and unjustly. The Philippians had been wanting to support Paul in his ministry and provide for him, uh, but they previously did not have the means to do so. Well, they finally were able to contribute something to Paul, and Paul is writing to them to acknowledge their gift and to tell them not to worry about their prior inability to contribute. He wants to let them know it's okay. I've received your gift, and don't stress out about the times you weren't able to give. 
And it is then that we read the words of our text this morning. So again, let us go there and consider the substance of the promise. Again, starting in verse 10, when Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So then, what are the all things? Is Paul saying that Uh, Any and everything that comes our way in life, whether it be uh, defeating a competitor, uh, bending an iron rod with our teeth, uh, ripping a phone book in half, uh, surviving a wreck, uh, or obtaining a great paying job and securing wealth and happiness. Is it these things that we can do through Christ who strengthens us? Well, that is the conclusion that one may come to if he simply covets the package and fails to realize the treasure of the contents. Not only are those not the things promised in this verse, but the true promises in this verse, brethren, are far superior in value and in shelf life. For the things of which Paul is speaking are not temporary in nature, but have eternal value and eternal significance. The substance is found in the context of what Paul is saying. Uh, The immediate context here uh, gives us the specific application and the whole of Paul's letter to the Philippians gives us the broader application. So let's look again at the immediate context. Paul says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. I know, have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul is saying that no matter what circumstance he finds himself in, he can be content through Christ who strengthens him. And brethren, the same is true for us today. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, you do not have to despair, child of God. You can be content. The word literally means to be satisfied. Not just, I can put up with this. Not just, I can bear through this. I can make it. I can survive. But he says, I can be satisfied through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what circumstance I find myself in, whether I'm starving or I can stuff myself silly, whether I'm cold, without an ability to keep warm, or have all the warmth I need, I can be satisfied. I can be filled through Christ who strengthens me. Now, before you begin to think that this is a lesson for those who have little to nothing, though it is, it applies just as much to those who have much. 
Uh, as uh, D.A. Carson uh, puts it when he addresses uh, this passage, he says, The secret of contentment is not normally learned in posh or good circumstances or in deprived circumstances, but in exposure to both. Perhaps you have come from a well-to-do background and you have never lacked anything. You've never had anything you valued taken away from you. The question arises whether you would be comfortable and content if you were suddenly forced to live in poverty. But on the other side, you may have come from a really poor background. Perhaps you learned to handle the uncertainty and the deprivation in godly ways. But now the question arises whether you could be content if you suddenly fell into wealth. Would it instantly corrupt you? Or would you feel so guilty with all these possessions that you could scarcely look at yourself in the mirror? He says, Paul carefully insists that his own contentment operates under both conditions. He avoids the arrogance that is often associated with wealth. He also avoids the kind of spiritual arrogance that is often associated with poverty. The brute fact is that Paul is content in both circumstances because his contentment is utterly independent of circumstances. His contentment is focused on all that he enjoys of Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, you see, it doesn't matter of my circumstances because my satisfaction in life and my contentment is not based on my ability to be sustained in temporary living circumstances, but my contentment, my satisfaction, my joy and my peace are found in the fact that my life is hidden in Christ and not in this world. He is my satisfaction. He is my contentment. Not my ability to secure my living circumstances. Brethren, the true value of this package is discovered only when one realizes that it applies to every child of God in any and every circumstance he finds himself in. Paul is speaking specifically of his being content in the midst of various economic situations. But when we're talking about being content in the circumstances we find ourselves in, it reaches in its application far beyond our economic situation. It deals with our physical condition and our health. It deals with relationships. It deals with every arena of life. He says, you can be satisfied with life regardless of your situation. And this happens when you realize that your life, brethren, was designed just for you. And not only was your life designed just for you, but our Bible teaches us that we were designed just for our life. I was not designed for the circumstances and the things in life uh, that Brother Nick has in his life. I wasn't designed for those things. I was designed specifically for the life God had uh, for me. And your life includes everything you experience. Not just in general terms. I'm not speaking just in seasons of life. I'm talking about every second of every minute of every day is being delivered to you by the hand of your sovereign God. 
David understood this when he wrote Psalm 139 when he says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. David understood through all of the trials and the things that he experienced that no matter what came across his path, any second, any moment, any hour of any day, that that day, that moment, was ordained by God for his life before it ever happened. Before there was ever any one of his days. True contentment and satisfaction in life and all it brings, brethren, comes in knowing that all of your days were ordained by your sovereign, gracious, merciful, just, loving, life-sustaining, redemption-giving God. And no matter what you face, it's from Him. And because it's from Him, and because you are His, you can and will, Paul tells us, be more than a conqueror. In any, in everything. And rest assured, brethren, the difficult days are not mistakes. Nor are they evidences of any insufficiency on God's part. But they too are part of His glorious plan as He shapes you into the person that He wants you to be. Uh, Jesus told Peter uh, that following Jesus comes with a guarantee. Remember, it came up and, and, and Peter said, you know, Peter was always known for being the one to just to go ahead and say it, right? He's just going to go ahead and put it out there. And Peter says, Lord, we've left our wives, we've left our mothers and our brothers, and we've left our whole households, and we've left everything that equals life to us to follow you. And Jesus says, Peter, those who have left those things to follow me, not only will they receive 100 times as much, mothers and brothers and sisters and houses, and, but he says they will also receive, which means you are guaranteed to receive 100 times as many persecutions. It's a great promise, isn't it? You're excited about that. I can tell by the smiles on your faces. Jesus told Peter that part of following him comes with a guarantee that you will receive persecutions. James told us that trials that we experience in life are not random, but he says they are from God. He says to rejoice in them. He says trials are from, trials are from God and rejoice in them. And here's why. He says because they serve a very specific purpose as they test our faith and produce endurance. When you're facing various trials, it's because God is doing something very specific in your life. He's doing something. He's fine-tuning you and creating in you and doing with you something very specific that's just for you. Paul said that all things work together for good as God is shaping us into the image of His Son in every circumstance as we learn to depend fully on the Father for and in all things. So 
what Paul's talking about in Romans 8 when he says that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. That's great, isn't it? And we like to, and we like to go to that. And just like Philippians 4.13, and we, we claim that, and then it fails. Well, much like that with Romans 8, we say, well, all of this is going to work out to good. And a day goes by, a week goes by, a month, a year, ten years. It's not getting any better. The circumstances aren't changing. Was God a liar? Is He not working all things together for good? Brethren, again, the true value is in the content of the package. And what Paul is saying in Romans 8.38, if you follow it, he says, "Um, For God works all things together for the good of those who love Him or called according to His purposes. Right? And he says, Those who He foreknew, what? He predestined, period? Nope. He predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So then, what is the good that God is working out in any and every circumstance? Through any and every circumstance, He is conforming you into the image of His Son. That's the good. And what is the image of His Son, brethren? What was the image that Jesus laid before us in His life here? I only do what I see my Father doing. Not my will, but my Father's will be done. I follow my Father. I'm here to accomplish what my Father... 100% dependence upon the Father. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, through any and every circumstance that comes your way, good or bad, as you learn in following Christ, in depending on your Heavenly Father in that circumstance, you are being conformed into the image of Christ. And that's good. That's good. That's the good that's being worked out in every circumstance. And Paul says, this is part of it. This is part of what it means that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because as I follow Him, and I lean on my faith, and I look to the Father for all things, I'm being conformed into His image. And that's the ultimate goal for the child of God. Well, that's just the difficult times. But remember, this includes the nice stuff too. Uh, The danger in uh, this life is just as intense for the Christian who has plenty. Uh, The danger for this brother is to find contentment or security and pleasure in what one is able to possess. But the contentment Paul is speaking of is when a person in this situation can have all of those things taken away in an instant and still be satisfied. Why? Because that person understands and acknowledges that every day and every circumstance is from the Lord and serves a very specific purpose for God's glory. guys keep it hot in here. Now while these various creature comforts are sometimes enjoyable and in themselves, brethren, are not inherently bad, we have to remember that they were never intended by God to be the source of our contentment and satisfaction. That's what Paul says started happening where some of the problems started happening in Romans 1, remember? 
He says uh, they became defiled and they began exchanging the truth of God for, the, for, for a lie. And it says what? They began worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. That's the danger for the Christian who does have plenty to find his contentment and his satisfaction and his stability in the things that God has allowed him to have rather than in God himself. Our ultimate contentment and satisfaction is found in not what God allows us to possess, but in God himself. He is our treasure. So to be truly content and satisfied in this life is to be content and satisfied in knowing that you are a child of the King. And knowing that regardless of your situation here, your true home is heaven. And you have a Savior who will one day come and take you to your true home where you'll be in the presence of the One who you truly adore for all eternity. Well, this contentment is the specific application in our immediate context, but there is a broader application that is seen in the whole of Paul's letter to the Philippians. These verses we have this morning come near the end of the epistle uh, or the letter to the Philippians. But the whole letter is full, is chock full of exhortations for these Philippians to be living for Christ. I want to look quickly at a couple verses from each chapter, chapter that I believe nicely summarize the theme of that chapter. So in Philippians chapter 1, we read this in verse, starting in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Suffering. In chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. The theme of chapter 3 is for the Christian to live with proper proper motivation and purpose. He says in verse 7 and 8 in Philippians 3, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And then in chapter 4, Paul gives us the how-to for the entire letter. Uh, all of these things, he says, I have exhorted you in. Here is how they will become a reality for you. In verse 4-9, through nine, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men that the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So he says all these things throughout his letter. And then he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In all of these things mentioned in this letter, the child of God can find contentment and satisfaction. That's how Paul is summarizing it. All of the trials and the sufferings I've laid out in my whole letter to you, I can find contentment and satisfaction in all of them. Chapter 1, you can endure sufferings for the gospel and not only endure, but be satisfied through Christ who strengthens you. Chapter 2, you can live with a Christ-like attitude through Christ who strengthens you. Philippians chapter 3, you can live with proper purpose and motivation through Christ who strengthens you. And in chapter 4, you can, in all of life's circumstances, rejoice dwelling on truth and excellence, being satisfied in God's sovereignty through Christ who strengthens you. Again, D.A. Carson uh, says concerning this, he says, Let the gospel advance. Let God's will be done in me and through me, Paul is saying, I am content for I can trust the one who invariably strengthens me to do what he assigns me. It takes the strength and resolution and perspective that only God can provide to live above changing, difficult circumstances. But to live above circumstances, utterly content in Christ Jesus, is to ensure that you will never give up the Christian walk. Resolve to learn the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. And brethren, what is the secret of contentment? The secret of contentment is to know that you serve a sovereign God who has ordained all your steps before there ever was one of them. And He's put everything that He has put into every moment of your life as His child for the specific purpose of conforming you into the image of His Son, which is complete dependence upon Him for His glory. Well, that's the substance of the promise. That's, that's the all things. So then, let's consider what is the source of this promise. Uh, there are two words um, that one looks for. The source is a smaller portion to look at for, than substance. So, um, ease. There's two words that one looks for on every package they open. And those two words are batteries included. There's nothing worse than opening a gift that you're excited to use only to find out that you don't have what you need to operate it. Disappointment comes to those who take passages like these out of context. The problem is that they're trying to operate it without the supplied source. It's like opening a new electronic and pressing the power button and then being disappointed when it doesn't work. They take this verse and apply it in the wrong way and then they're surprised and disappointed when it doesn't work. 
Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The power source of the promise in our text, brethren, is Christ. Paul said in chapter 1 of Philippians, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And yet in Philippians chapter 2, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as uh, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and hope. Which is it? Is the one who began my salvation going to complete it or do I have to work it out, Paul? Are you, what's the problem? Oh, but wait what he says. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. What he means, brethren, is that we need to be working out the implications of our salvation in our everyday lives. Work it out. What does it mean that you're a child of the King? What does it mean to live like the child of King? As you're facing this very circumstance that you're in, no matter what it is, work out what it means to be a child of the King. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Resurrection Day, didn't we? And we considered the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And because He's resurrected from the dead, what does that mean for us? We will be resurrected from the dead. We have resurrection. And what that means, brethren, is that in all of life, no matter what circumstance we face, as we try to work it out, we can begin the working out of it with this phrase. The resurrection. Therefore, no matter what the circumstance, life's fallen apart. But the resurrection... Therefore, I can make it. Oh, I lost my job. Looks hopeless. The resurrection. I'm going to be resurrected into a new life forever and a new body and all these things are temporary and will pass away and then I'll remain in glory forever. Paul's saying, work that out. Work out the implications of that in your everyday life. How do you respond to all of life's circumstances in light of the fact that you have been redeemed? And then notice he says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and work for His good pleasure. Brethren, again, what Paul is teaching us, both in Philippians and now in, uh, in Philippians 2 and now in chapter 4, God has supplied you with the means to accomplish the very thing He has assigned you. God never calls you to do anything that He does not equip you to do. Because he knows that you're unable to do it. Anything God puts in your path, he equips you with the ability to make it through and accomplish. He is working in you to accomplish the task he has assigned you. The tricky part for us sometimes is to discern what is the assignment. When your car breaks down and you have to fix it, what's the assignment? Is that an assignment from God when your car breaks down? Is that situation from God? It is. Yes. But maybe in that instance, your assignment, brethren, is not necessarily to ultimately get the car fixed. The assignment for you then is to approach that situation in a way that brings glory to God. And you do that when you give your best effort and demonstrate an attitude that reflects God's providence and sovereignty in everything. Whether it be a faulty part 
insufficient tools, scraped knuckles, poor instructions, or even curious children who want to watch very closely. Your ability, brethren, to accomplish this task comes from the indwelling indwelling Spirit who is God in you. And because the Holy Spirit is Christ's pledge to you who convicts you and reminds you of all that Christ has taught you and said to you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Christ's words that He would never leave you nor would He forsake you. And it is because of this ministry of the Holy Spirit that Paul says he can do all these things through Christ who strengthens him. Because Christ has given him the indwelling Spirit of Christ who remains with him. The indwelling Spirit reminds us of all the promises we have in Christ. He brings to mind the things that Christ told us to keep close to our hearts. He testifies with our own spirit when we are tempted to give up and turn away that we are indeed children of God who have been lavished with immeasurable love and grace and mercy. And because we have, we can do it. Child of God, whatever situation you find yourself in, you can know that it is from God's hand. And you have living in you the Spirit of God. And nothing can separate you from His love. No tribulation, nor distress, no persecution, or famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword. He goes on, doesn't he? The list gets bigger. When he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things created, nor things to come, nor height, nor powers, nor any created thing, shall separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Nothing! That's why he's able to say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I know that no matter what circumstance comes looking for me, nothing will overtake me because I'm a child of the King. I am the brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if He is for me, nobody can be against me. You have a Savior, brethren, who has suffered. And because He suffered and lived, you will suffer and you will live. You can because you are His and greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world, our Bible tells us. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Paul said something similar in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3 when he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. And listen, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond. Remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. 
That's the same thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ who is in me. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit of Christ. And now he says, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The substance is all things. No matter what comes your path, whatever God puts in your way, you can be satisfied and content in that, knowing that you're a child of the King and He's placed it there in order for you to be conformed into the image of His Son for His glory. And you do that through the indwelling Spirit of God who is Christ in you. He's the source. Well, perhaps you're hearing this and you must admit that you have never trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You may in your life experience plenty and yet find that contentment can still not be grasped. And you're correct that contentment cannot be grasped in your plenty. But I'm here to speak to you this morning and tell you that that it is available in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You may think this morning that you have gained contentment in your plenty. But friend, God says that this world is passing away and all of its pleasures with it. And then you will then discover that what you thought brought contentment was empty. And it will be your ruin. But there's time for you to turn to Christ today. He says that all who call on Him will be saved and will not be disappointed. He delivers. Well, perhaps you have not trusted Christ and you don't have plenty. Maybe you live with insufficient means. Contentment for you is so far out of reach you cannot even begin to imagine what it feels like. But friend, when you experience the forgiveness of sins and the assurance that you will spend eternity with God in heaven, you will know what contentment feels like. You'll be able to agree with Habakkuk who says that no matter what life throws at me, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So turn from your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says if you will confess your sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you will then be able to read these words from Paul and rejoice as you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God which is found in Jesus Christ. And you can wake up each day and no matter what comes looking for you, you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I belong to the King. Amen? Amen. Father, thank You for Your Word. Again, cause it to sink into the deepest recesses of our hearts. Father, help us to be faithful ambassadors of Jesus Christ as we go and not only proclaim this to the people around us, but Father, we begin each day with proclaiming these very same truths to ourselves, reminding ourselves that we have living within inside of us the Holy Spirit of God who is our vouchsafe, who is our certificate that He will come once again and receive us unto Himself. And in the meantime, He's conforming us into His image for our good and His glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.